Hi, I'm Carla Jones, Senior Director of Federalism, Homeland Security, and International Relations here at ALEC, and I'm joined by Brooklyn Roberts, Senior Director of Health and Human Services at ALEC. Hi, Carla. I'm so excited we're doing this today. Thank you, Brooklyn, and thank you for joining me today. And we have two very special people here today in honor of Women's History Month to discuss the impact of America's fentanyl overdose epidemic on America's families. First, Dina Loudon. She's the mother of Matthew Loudon and an ambassador at an organization called Shatterproof that is dedicated to transforming our healthcare system and society to prevent and treat addiction with science and compassion. Dina Loudon is joined by her sister, Paula Butler, who is also Matthew Loudon's godmother. Welcome, Dina and Paula. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. No, thank you so much for joining us today. I mean, on this really important topic that affects so many families across the country. So, Dina, first, would you mind telling me a little bit about your son, Matthew? Um, what kind of a kid was he? What kind of a brother was he to his sister? What activities did he like? Basically, help our viewers understand who Matthew was. I sure can. Um, never too much to ask me to share Matthew with the world, but um, Matthew was a precocious kid. He was constantly asking questions of me, um, you know, just a sponge, always looking for, for that knowledge. Um, but Matthew was a great kid. Um, he grew up um, with many friends and in kindergarten, uh, believe it or not, found his passion for ice hockey. And when he was on the rink, I think that that was the place that he could be where the angst didn't constantly make him be inside of his head. Um, so he played all the way from first grade all the way up to an adult league. And um, he just, you know, he loved it. Um, but he loved hanging out with his friends and, you know, just sort of doing your typical, typical teenage thing, kid thing. Um, but I think above all, Matthew would be described as a really great friend and a really great brother. Um, you know, he always put the needs of his friends before he put him, you know, the needs of himself. So um, always wanting to take in the stray person that was having an issue and try to make things better for them. So I would, I would just say he was an all around great kid. The fentanyl crisis is so bad and we've all heard, you know, um, stories on the news and and about how many lives that we're losing right now. I know according to recent CDC and White House figures, it's I think we lost 100,000 over 100,000 lives to the fentanyl crisis last year. So can you tell us a little bit about what happened with Matthew, Dina? Yes. Um, you know, basically in 11th grade, uh, Matthew started using Xanax and he became quickly addicted. Um, over that time, he had been in and out of a few rehab centers. Um, he did inpatient, he did outpatient, and he did 
intensive outpatient. Um, but um, over the last, I would say, few months of his life, um, he started tinkering around with some other things, um, other substances. And on November 3rd of 2020, uh, he had gone out sometime early on um, that night and uh, was in search of some perk 30s and uh, took them and there was no perk 30 in it. It was complete fentanyl. So Matthew died the morning of November 3rd. Um, and uh, it's left a huge hole in our hearts, in, in all of our family and all of our friends' hearts. I'm so sorry that you've been through that. Um, I know a lot of times we forget about the other victims in this crisis, the family members, and it's not just parents, it's extended family, it's friends. So Paula, can you tell us a little bit about the impact that it's had on you? Sure. Um, I, I'd say overall, if I just wanted to make a, a general description, I think it was almost like a bomb went off in our family. You know, I think after we all heard, um, we all kind of just fell to pieces. I mean, Matthew was so much of our world um, for so many different reasons. And, uh, you know, Matthew had a really special way of making everyone in the family feel like they were so important in, in so many different aspects of his life. So um, it was really, really hard to wrap your brain around the fact that he was gone. Um, I'm going to say for probably the first six months, I just kind of told myself he was at college or he was at rehab or he was somewhere else. And I just couldn't accept that. Um, but I, I used to listen to music as an oasis and um, pretty much almost as soon as he uh, as soon as he passed away, I couldn't listen to music anymore. I stopped singing in the car. Um, you know, I kind of been in like a little bit of a fog for two years. Um my husband um, used to talk to Matthew about it all the time. He had had a brother who had also um, passed away from uh, overdose. And so he would talk to Matthew about it all the time. And he still grapples all the time with guilt. Save Matthew somehow. You know, I think it was he couldn't save his brother and then he couldn't save Matthew. No matter how many talks he had with, him, you know, Matthew knew better, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, and then I think probably the biggest loss, um, Matthew and my mom had the most special relationship. I think she loved him more than my sister and I, you know, more than any of us. And um, and when and she had Parkinson's and when he passed away, I think she really lost her will to live and her Parkinson's really started to advance. And uh, we actually lost her in August of 2022. So, you know, kind of just had a really whirlwind effect on our whole family. We forget how destructive the death of just one person can be for an entire family. And while this is something that's affecting American families, one of the things about fentanyl is it's an epidemic that has totally transnational roots. I mean, the fentanyl is being manufactured largely in China. It's being smuggled mainly across our southern border illegally. But Dina and Paula, are there steps that society, that local law enforcement can take to prevent people like Matthew from dying needlessly? I mean, this just seems like such a tragic 
unavoidable death. And what would you like to see policymakers doing? Well, I definitely think that um, social media plays a big role in in this epidemic. But you know, I I have been saying over and over and over again as parents, not only do we need to educate ourselves on this, but we have got to educate our children. We have got to empower them with the information to to make good choices for themselves and not to experiment with this stuff because you know at such a young age um they they pretty much think they're invincible and they forget that as parents we were once their age um so i i've just been trying to get that message out as as much as i can whenever i can to whoever will listen um and as far as law enforcement goes you know they're they're in a tough position because I, I think with the tools that they're given, um, they're pretty much doing everything that they can do, um, you know, on a, on a local level, but on a national level, as far as policies, I, I, I think that our administration needs to step up and um, not only make fentanyl a weapon of mass destruction because it's destroying our population, you know, one by one, um, but they need to make stronger sentencing and they need to make sentences so that it's not just a slap on the wrist um, and it's going to deter the people who are knowingly selling this stuff to just stop doing it. Um, you know, it sounds silly, but I just, I feel like that's, that's where we really need to be moving towards with this, with this epidemic. Yeah, I'll say I'll tag on to that a little bit. Um, as far as the social media, um, you know, we have to find some type of policy to rein these in and to um, really get uh, these companies to give out information. You know, they, they say it's proprietary and then they're, they're not going to provide it for any of these, um, you know, investigations. And I think that needs to change. Um, and you know, Matthew, uh, I, I believe they told us originally that he had gotten whatever pills he had gotten from the dark web, but um, they found his last Snapchat and it was someone local who he was going to get the perk 30s from. And, you know, so we know and Snapchat's one of the worst offenders out there. You know, those messages, quote unquote, disappear. Um, you know, so these kids love to use that app and, you know, just finding a way to rein that in. Um, is really important. And I think that our, our policymakers have a huge role in that, both local, state, and federal. Um, and I know that um, just recently, you know, the CPB just launched a new effort to try and stop fentanyl smuggling um, just back on March 13th. So maybe, just maybe, with all of the uh, spotlight on what's going on with fentanyl being smuggled over our border, maybe it's finally, finally getting through. Um, and I also know uh, Senator Kennedy um, from Louisiana just introduced a bill to reduce the threshold of possession from 40 grams down to two grams and increase the sentencing for that. So, you know, hopefully, you know, some of the things that we've been preaching about policy and how they can help stop this epidemic and this war on our, on our kids, um, maybe it's finally getting through. <laughs> Well, social media is certainly one huge difference from what 
drug use was when we were kids. Um, the other difference is fentanyl, using it once can kill you. Um, I can't think of many recreational drugs where that was true, certainly when I was a young person. Um, and, and now that's the case, that one misstep can end up in a child's death. And Brooklyn, I was wondering, have you seen promising policies across the states? Yes, uh, most of the state action has focused on enhanced education. Um, as you said, uh, it's this is a kind of playing Russian roulette because one, you know, one mistake can kill you. And um, so, making people, making sure that people are aware of of what it is and what it can do. Um, you've seen several states enhance penalties. I know Florida recently is the most recent one um, to do that. And and have stiffer penalties, as Dina was talking about, for offenders. Um, you've seen states uh, expand access to overdose medicines um, like naloxone or, or Narcan, um, having those available uh, over the counter and in other in, in places uh, like schools and other facilities has been very helpful in preventing overdoses. And finally, you've got some states that are looking at uh, legalizing fentanyl test strips. Uh, those currently in most states are considered drug paraphernalia and are not legal, but Arizona, Tennessee, and Ohio have recently legalized those. And those, you know, I, I, I think that's kind of an interesting idea and in, in where we're going from a harm reduction mm -hmm. process. Well, I mentioned in my intro that Dina is an ambassador for an organization, a great organization called Shatterproof. I think we've got a really good video from Shatterproof. What behaviors put someone at risk for fentanyl exposure? Since you can't taste, smell, or see fentanyl, obtaining medication from anywhere other than a legitimate source like a doctor or pharmacy automatically puts people at increased risk of exposure. For young people, counterfeit pills are especially attractive because they're easy to find, cheap, and more socially acceptable than other drugs, and they don't have a telltale smell like alcohol or marijuana. Dangerous behaviors that can lead to fentanyl exposure or overdose include taking pills from friends, getting pills sold from a drug dealer, or obtaining pills through websites that don't require a prescription. Fentanyl-laced drugs often look identical to prescription pills. Can you tell the difference? Adderall. Oxycontin. Xanax. A person can easily access drugs that may be laced with fentanyl from their phone or computer through social media. It starts with sellers who post advertising on social media platforms like Instagram or Facebook using suggestive emojis to attract potential customers. After a connection is made, the seller and buyer move to apps like Snapchat, Signal, or WickerMe, where messages either delete after sending or are encrypted to hide the purchase. Within minutes, payment is sent and drugs are shipped. This is very simple for a young person to do. While fentanyl-laced drugs are easy to access and nearly indistinguishable from real ones, there are ways to protect yourself and those you care about. Learn more in the next videos. Dina, Paula, is there anything else that you would really like for our audience to know? about Matthew or uh, about the fentanyl crisis in general? Well, 
I, I don't know necessarily um, pertaining to Matthew or, um, but I did want to share something really positive with you. Um, I have been going around to some of the schools in Montgomery County trying to educate the students. Um, it's really about the Speak Up, Save a Life initiative. So I'm traveling with the state's attorney myself and um, someone who's in long-term recovery. And I think that that really, what it covers is it tells them and empowers them to make the right choice if somebody is overdosing that they need to call 911, how important it is to save somebody else's life. And then, you know, I come in and I speak to them and I, I explain to them and make them feel the impacts of what losing a child is. And then um, Jessica, who is in long-term recovery, comes in and shares with them, you know, she kind of relates to them and saying, you know, these years are really hard and it's hard to fit in. And, and how many of you have mental health issues? And, you know, that's what led me down the road that I chose, but I also chose to get healthy. And now she's um, eight years clean. So what I wanted to share with you about that is, is that on um, uh, when Wednesday of this week, there was actually, we had been to the school the Friday before, and Wednesday of this week, there was an overdose, and the friends actually called 911 as a direct result of what they had learned in these assemblies, and it was so um, heartfelt, and it made me feel so good that the work that we're doing to try to give these children the tools to, to make the right choices is actually working and knowing, you know, that, that as a direct impact of what we told them that um, they saved somebody's life. So the child is okay. Um, I don't know any details further than that, but at least, you know, they, they took what we said to heart and realized that it would be better to save a life than, than, you know, to go on and not do anything and find out that that person had died because they didn't, they didn't make the call. So we're just trying to empower them. Yeah. Um, I'll just say, I know um, there's an initiative out there. One pill can kill. And um, I don't know. Um, I don't care how much you think you can tell the difference. Um, they did a whole thing with a DEA uh, secret lab and they were showing how the DEA agents can't even tell the difference between these pills and the fake pills. So, you know, just don't take anything. And it's, and fentanyl is in everything. You know, we all had the luxury, I think, uh, uh, you know, when we were kids being able to experiment with, you know, marijuana or whatever it was, but fentanyl's in marijuana now and it's in everything that you get. And, and so you're, you're playing Russian roulette with your life if you're doing that. So, you know, it's just better not to do it at this point. And, you know, there's a lot of things that can lead you down a path of, of addiction. You know, it could be an injury from sports and you get addicted to the, to the pain pills and then they take them away and you go look for street drugs, but it's just not worth your life. Figure out some other way to deal with this and, and, you know, find support and find treatment centers. Um, Going back to Dina and, and Shatterproof, I work with them as well in a much lesser uh, uh, extent, but 
they have something called Atlas and it actually um, kind of rates all of the um, treatment facilities. And so it finds you can do a quiz and you can find out the best treatment facility for you. And it doesn't matter where it is. They'll, you know, they'll figure out a way to get you in. And so reach out, talk to people, you know, whoever it is, whether it's your parent, whether it's your friend, whatever it is. And, you know, I know many times Matthew's friends would come to Dina and they would tell her they were worried about him. And, you know, that was the best thing that they could have done because, you know, it doesn't matter if your friend gets mad at you for telling on you. I'd rather have my friend alive um, than and, and mad at me than dead and, you know, feeling the guilt that I didn't say anything. So, you know, as friends, making sure if you're worried about a friend, speak up and tell somebody and make sure, you know, whether it's a school counselor, a coach, anybody, um, just make sure you, you speak up. The um, Good Samaritan laws are, are really important and it's important to educate kids about them because they can make the call to the police. They can call 911 and get help without getting in trouble under those. And so education about that is, is really important. And um, I know Carla and I both, I think, have done work on counterfeit drugs here at ALEC. Yeah. And, and that situation is very dangerous. As you mentioned, um, you can't tell the difference. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important, you know, that we're educating people about that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember when we met with Matt, the detective that was working on Matthew's case, he said that he had just recently been in court and they literally had to call in experts to be able to try and tell the difference between the fake pills and the authentic pills that are produced in, um, you know, in the pharmacy labs. Right. Well, I want to thank you two so much for taking the time to tell us about Matthew and to share your story. And I also want to thank you for the leadership that you're showing in, in making it so that Matthew didn't pass away in vain. It's, it's like you're saving other children using yes. the knowledge. Definitely have made that my mission. Um, you know, like I said, on a normal basis, I don't think I'll ever know. But with this incident that happened last week, um, finding out that that our work helped and they listened, um, it's just it's just overwhelming to know that 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 child is is going to be OK. I suspect that the two of you have saved a lot more people than you realize. And I think getting Americans to pay attention is if they understand the human impact, if they understand how this epidemic is affecting families everywhere, I think that might be the key to solving it, to, for the nation to have the resolve to solve it. Absolutely, yeah. And one more quick thing, you know, I know when Matthew passed away, I, I would tell people fentanyl poisoning and they had no clue what fentanyl was. So just by talking about it and, and advocating about it and getting the, the word out there, you know, and, and getting people to understand what it is, I think that awareness has helped greatly in, in so many different ways. 
Well, thank you ladies for being here and, and sharing your story with us today. And um, thank you to our viewers too. We will see you yeah. soon. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you.